Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's go right back to the phones and joining us. I think he's up in the wilderness in northern Canada on top of a glacier. Is that right, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Nate Zelinsky? I, I might not be uh, in the most remote of all areas, but uh, I tell you, I, I'm excited to uh, to be talking about hunting here in, uh, in Colorado. <laughs> well, one other thing, too. We do have to wish you you a happy anniversary. Your wife is a saint, though. I don't know how she does it, but. I think it's years. Years. I mean, it's hard to trick somebody that long, Terry. It really I, is. I, 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 how many years? Thirteen. Well, you know, the poor woman. Uh, of course, you were able to trick a lot of big games, so maybe your your <laughs> wiliness is still keeping her there. But we'll have to have a chat with her. But anyway, let's talk some hunting, my friend. I appreciate it. Don't talk any sense into her. I like where we're at right now. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we got a lot of stuff happening, Terry. And, you know, we, we obviously we got a lot of stuff fishing-wise. And I will say the fishing stuff is changing a little bit uh, as the mountains really approach their kind of fall startup. Uh, as those water temperatures are starting to drop just a hair. Obviously, the bait fish are, are plentiful in the front range. So those bites have changed. Uh, but with the big game season so readily approaching, we want to talk about at least a handful of things that I think people need to know and or be caught up on uh, on the hunting side. So first and foremost, uh, archery pronghorn opened up on the 15th of this month. So, you know, hunters have been out there for a handful of days uh, and we're getting a lot of results and or reports from that. So on regards to the, the pronghorn for um, archery season startup, we're seeing hunters on the waterhole not having quite the success they've had in past years. But we've been talking about that for three or four weeks. So it's not a surprise by any means, but the pronghorn number one are well hydrated, which, you know, they can sustain a a long use of water almost better than any animal. So uh, they're going into the hunting season well hydrated. And obviously we have water everywhere in abundance for the pronghorn. So the hunters that are sitting on the traditional water holes, I think the hunters that really scouted and found the premium water holes or the water holes that the pronghorn are comfortable drinking on um, have had some success. The hunters that didn't do as much scouting and just picked the random water holes that they've hunted for years and years are not quite having that success. So, again, uh, we've even seen a lot of times from my scouting situations of the pronghorn not even going to a dedicated hole. There's enough water in various locations and ditches and openings to where just on their daily feeding patterns, they're drinking to where a normal season they feed and they go to a designated water hole, drink, and then move on with their daily patterns. This year, I'm seeing them pick up water in enough areas to where it's just a part of their daily pattern. They're not necessarily seeking water. They're just drinking when they are around it in their daily feeding. Um, and, and it's changed things up. So, again, more so a report from the field. The, the hunters that really scouted out the right water are having success, but, but sitting on a water hole hoping for success, I would say, has not been as productive as it has in years in the past. Not to say it won't change. Um, if you sit on a water hole long enough, you will, you know, again, kind of increase that success. But uh, again, it, it might take a longer wait than you're used to uh, just because they're not seeking it out as often uh, or as regular as, as they normally would on a normal season. So keep that in mind. And with that, I do want to give a couple tips. Number one, if you're going to sit on a water hole, 
uh, we think about this as a, a long-term thing. So number one, getting your blind set up or however you're going to conceal yourself a long time ahead of time. If you throw up a, a blind or, you know, uh, some sort of wall or something to block you, um, they get pretty, you know, uh, cautious around that as they approach for the first time. So we set up our blind, you know, 10, 12 days ahead of time to where they get used to it. They want to approach it, see it there so they can get skittish for a couple of days, realize there's no harm, uh, and then start getting more regular with theirs. So number one, really, if you're planning on hunting, get your concealment set up now uh, to where you know that they get used to it so you have a plan in the future. Um, number two, sitting long days in a water hole. We talk about this all the time. Pronghorn are one of those things that even if you have them on a trail camera, even if you know they're drinking at 2 p.m., we get in our blind extremely early to where nothing sees us going in. So even though your particular pronghorn might not be coming in until 2 o'clock, maybe they're in the general area at noon or 10 a.m., and if they see you going in there, there is no chance they're going to come into that later. So even though I might not be anticipating the activity and movement of the animal until later, I always get into my blind extremely early. So when I sit on water, I sit on water from an hour before light to an hour after light, even though those are excruciating long days and high heat. Um, you know, I pack a ton of water, bring a book. I mean, half the time I watch movies on my phone, whatever you have to do, but those longer sets will increase your success. Just making sure nothing in that natural environment sees you approach that. So that's your number one. Number two, the guys that are spot and stalking those pronghorn have had drastically more success so far this season. I've seen a lot of hunters having the most success with decoys. So the most success has been decoy hunting, but with that, not how you would think it. Instead of having a doe pronghorn or a buck pronghorn decoy and hoping that a, a rut phase pronghorn is going to come in, they're more using cow decoys, donkey decoys, using horse decoys. They're using a decoy looking like livestock and then they are approaching the pronghorn with that. So the decoy isn't to draw. The decoy is to give you concealment or a, a hide as you approach the pronghorn. And that's been by far the, the biggest success this season that I've seen. So the last couple of days, the guys decoying with, uh, again, cattle decoys or horse decoys uh, have been extremely successful. So on the pronghorn hunt, uh, again, I, I don't want to have everybody change up their plans and abandon things, but think about those little tips. If you're on water, set longer. Don't let anybody or any of the livestock or wildlife, pronghorn, anything see you approach because it can always change up the patterns. Again, nobody thinks about the cows, but you scare the cows off and, you know, they go off running or leave and the pronghorn that two ridges over says, man, what scared those cows? They came from the water hole. That little type thing right there can throw your whole day off. So we approach in full stealth, long sits. That drastically helps. Concealing your blind for a longer amount of time to where they never uh, get cautious approaching it, it's a big deal. Uh, and then thinking about decoying with uh, an opposing or a different type animal uh, has been huge, and that's been the big success for pronghorns so far this season. All right. And we had actually some questions last week about how to approach pronghorn with a bow and how do you get cl- – one guy asked, how do you get closer than 200 yards? Uh, <laughs> And I I understand what he was saying, but I think everything you covered there really addressed what he needed to know. And we talked a little bit about it last week, but you just reinforced everything we said. So what about other big game? Are we, you know, we're getting close to some of this other stuff and dove hunting's right around the corner. 
Absolutely. So with all of those contests, we talked about Dove two, three weeks ago, but Dove opens on September 1st. Um, you know, again, same type thing. I don't scout Dove as hard as I do big game, but I definitely get out there. I see the flyways. I see the water holes. I see where they're roosting. If I need access to property, I try to approach a farmer or a rancher now instead of on opening day saying, hey, you know, I, I noticed there's some public land behind your place. I'd love access to it. Uh, you ask on an opening day wearing camo with gun in hand, the odds of you getting on are not as good. When you approach now saying, hey, in a couple of weeks, it's going to be opening Dove. I see you have a lot of access to some good property. Is there any way, you know, in a couple weeks that, you know, I could come in here, you tell me what time's good for you, and I can walk through your property or even hunt your property, um, and your odds go up. So we are spending some time prepping uh, for the opening Dove season. And, Terry, I've Dove hunted since I was, you know, as a little kid, um, you know, walking around carrying a BB gun up into where I had my first hunter safety. Uh, but I can tell you what right now, Terry, I am the most excited of any dove opener in history because uh, my kids, Lane and Lauren, uh, they have 20 gauges. They've been practicing and they are entering the field uh, as first time dove hunters with a, a license in hand. So I cannot wait. We are going to have an awesome opener dove. Uh, I can't wait to, to watch these kids uh, attempt to shoot a bird that tends to have that that force field around it to protect it. So I can't wait for that day. So we're excited about that, doing a lot of scouting for that. Yeah, and you know what? Doves are, and I kid a lot about doves and say it's a conspiracy by the ammunition manufacturers. <laughs> and, but, but doves are an incredible way to get youth into hunting. Um, because you don't necessarily have to do a lot of walking. You can use uh, lesser gauge shotguns very effectively, and and it just gets them interested and into the game. It's a tremendous starting hunt. I mean, that's it. You know, the things that we think about, you know, we can have great snacks. You have kids snacks make the day so you can sit around have snacks you can talk you're not whispering you know and if you miss one you know hopefully uh pretty quickly there there'll be another one and uh you know again not that we're trophy hunters but you know uh, a dove is a dove so it's pretty nice not to to miss the buck of a lifetime and have that kind of sorrow and regret with the dove you miss one you you know hold your head up and and look for the next one so excited about that and then the last two things we got to cover terry uh number one i want to talk about the elk uh, then I want to talk about some shooting real quick. So one with elk, uh, I would say that as of today, we are probably looking at 90% of mature branch antler bulls being hard horned. So in the last seven days, we watched almost all the bulls in Colorado lose their velvet. That's a great sign of that testosterone starting to flow. They are getting excited. They're getting ready for the breeding season. I am hearing more and more bugling. Uh, again, by no means would I would say that this is a, a start to the calling season, but we're starting to hear it. It's just all signs that everything is happening. So with that, when you're scouting, where these bulls are right now, you're starting to really learn a lot about the individual animals. When I'm out there scouting, now that they are hard horned, now that they're showing signs of, of again, uh, you know, the pre stages of getting ready for the rut, they're now really having their own characteristics, their own behavior. So right now, and then the next, you know, two weeks before that archery opens on September 2nd, and then, you know, a week or two following that muzzleloader, 
we're now learning their individual behavior. So you can see if a bull is more aggressive or less aggressive. So as they're hanging around each other, you're seeing those bigger bulls chasing off the little bulls. You see the bigger bulls, again, just showing signs of how they're going to act in the rut. Are they very docile? Are they more aggressive? Are they very nocturnal? Are they spending more time during the day? How often are they drinking? Now that the velvet's off, all those behavioral characteristics are coming to play. So we're out there literally as much as as possible, studying these bulls, watching these bulls, learning the little tidbits. So when we're hunting them in a couple weeks, we can make good decisions saying, hey, that bull always beds down. He's going to his bed now. Let's back off and hunt him tonight or hunt him the next day. Or, hey, I know that bull is very aggressive to everybody else. He's aggressive to these little bulls. He's bugling more. He looks like he's going to rut hard. We're going to wait into the first week of the season. We're going to approach that bull with a calling scenario uh, and so forth. So those are the concepts that I'm really watching now. I'm learning their behavior. And I talk to people all the time about calling, especially on public land, on over-the-counter style hunts where there's a ton of hunters, somewhat of a, a, you know, maybe a lesser rut because of the hunting pressure. And everybody asks, what's the, the best approach to have to success? My approach here, I watch the animals. If the animals are not ready to breed, if they're not calling yet, if the bulls are still together, your odds of calling in that bull, are you're, you're not going to have the chance. I don't want to say that they're obsolete, but if the bull is not into it, your odds of calling that bull in are, are very slim, and all you're doing is educating that bull on what's to come, and you're going to make them even quieter. What I personally do is I watch these bulls. I get out and scout. Even though I have bow in hand, even though I'm hunting, I treat it almost like a scouting session. I watch them from afar. I keep an eye on them. If I have an approach to sneak in and make a shot, I'll do so. But more than anything, I'm just watching them. I always call it the three-day window. You always have a three-day window when the bull first starts to show interest in cows. The bull's independent. He's alone. And it takes about three days for these bulls to go independent. To gathering a harem for the rut. That is when they're by far at their most vulnerable state. So when I'm pursuing any bull, especially a big trophy bull, I watch them and I watch those bulls and they're going to be independent. All of a sudden, you're going to start having them get closer to the cows. They're migrating towards the cows. They're starting to look at the cows. They're starting to smell the cows. They're smelling the cow, the ground where the cows were at. When you start seeing those first signs, it generally speaking is about three days and all of a sudden they're going to have that small harem. Once they're tight with that harem they don't want to leave that harem so if you can approach those bulls in that narrow window your odds of drawing that bull in and or cow calling and approaching that bull are extremely high so i take advantage of those windows on all the animals that i hunt so that's done through scouting so i i'm looking for my bull now and then once the season starts i'm really watching for those little signs to show interest in the cows and when those signs signs appear I move in, and that's going to be my greatest opportunity for that success of harvesting that bull here in Colorado. We need to move on. You said you had one more thing shooting. Let's make it quick because we're almost out of time. Absolutely. Right now, so I keep talking to hunters that have their rifle, have their optics, and they're walking through the, the retail stores looking for ammo. So, number one, I have a lot of people saying, hey, 
how do you make a decision on, on the ammunition? What type bullet? Everything has a, its own goal. Do you want a pass-through shot where you have a blood trail, you know, from both sides of the animal? Do you want a bullet that's going to be a softer tip that has a ton of expansion, probably not a pass-through, but extremely devastating uh, upon hit? All of these have things to, to come into play, and I look at whether my shot distance is anticipated to be close range, anticipated to be far range, uh, and so forth. But the biggest thing I want to talk about is consistency. So when hunters go out and they go to the range, I was at the range the other day and I watched this guy shooting and he was playing with two or three different sets of ammo and he was really trying to hit the bullseye every time. And he knew his scope was dialed in and he would shoot and he's like, oh, this one's off, this one's off. It's just like a bow. You want to shoot, you know, three to five rounds of the same bullet, same cartridge, same manufacturer, same die lot, and you want to shoot and just see where the group ends up. Don't worry if it's on the bullseye. Shoot, and I shoot three or four different brands of ammo, and if I can find the ammo that is shooting the most consistent, so my completed cartridge, when I hit, I have the tightest group of three to five shots. I then select that, move that over, and redial my gun to bullseye, and that's going to be the ammo that I want to shoot with. So even more so than the actual bullet itself, uh, I mean, I'm at the point where I have the perfect bullet and sitting in the perfect spot, but more than anything, I would rather have a consistent, Consistent flying bullet and not worry if it's a soft or a hard or, or what it may be. Consistency by far is our number one goal. And then we move into the, the actually, you know, what the bullet components are and what it's going to do upon strike. But number one, find a bullet that you can shoot consistent groups out, get that group in a bullseye. Uh, and that's the number one step. So get out there, test your gun, test some different rounds and find the bullet that is going to be the most accurate for you. Uh, and that's going to be the, the one that I want to start with this coming hunting season. We are out of time, my friend, but we will talk to you next week. Uh, you enjoy this weekend with your beautiful bride, and we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon, Terry. Thank you so much. All right, Nate Polinski. We'll take a quick time out, and we come back. Austin Parr is going to join us, and we're going to talk fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.